0: chapter fifteen of making fate by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen a surprising decision glyde Douglas was at home again with her wonderful story to tell and her wonderful gifts to display she had not spent that two dollars after all uncle anthony had counselled her to keep it forever as a souvenir as a curiosity to prove that one girl could spend two weeks in new york and come home again with money in her pocket the gifts he had bought he assured her were her own tokens to be presented by herself to this end he had carefully boxed and marked each individual article with her full name and he got into such a hurry at last that he waited only to see her safely off the cars at her own station then sprang back again and continued his journey westward truth to tell he had overstayed the extreme limit of his time in order to give glyde as much of an outing as possible his visit he told her could afford to wait until next year never had a homecoming in the douglas family made more of a stir during the days of her absence it had been discovered that glyde was really an important person every member of the family had been so accustomed to having her to appeal to for assistance on all possible occasions that to miss her presence and help was a revelation not one of them had realized before how helpful she was they welcomed the old glide with open arms but the girl who came back to them was in a certain sense a new glide A day or two after her return, Estelle found herself looking at her sister curiously. Certainly she was changed. An indefinable something was there, which Estelle at least had never before discovered. Was it self-assertion? But Glyde had never been sweeter or more unselfish. It could not be her dress entirely, though there was change enough about that. Uncle Anthony had not contented himself with the stylish sack before the first sabbath which they spent in new york had arrived he had discovered a ready-made dress which was exactly to his mind and which he said matched the sack despite glyde's earnest protests and explanations he forced her to try it on and to admit that the fit was perfect then he ordered it sent to their hotel in triumph after that there were gloves and handkerchiefs and a cunning little muff things which he continually explained belonged to the sack and felt lonesome away from it there was a hat with a plume which was exactly the shade of the muff in short uncle anthony could not be restrained until his little girl's wardrobe had undergone entire transformation when she was attired in her new suit with the fifteen-dollar pin fastening the bit of lace at her throat THE REFLECTION WHICH THE GIRL'S MIRROR GAVE BACK MUST CERTAINLY HAVE PLEASED HER ARTISTIC EYE. YET, STRANGELY ENOUGH, AT THAT MOMENT SHE THOUGHT OF THE GIRL IN THE coarse DRESS AND GLOVELESS HANDS, WHO HAD TOLD IN THE MEETING ABOUT BEING KEPT FROM THE TEMPTATION TO ANGER. WHY SHOULD Glyde DOUGLAS HAVE SO MUCH, AND THAT GIRL SO LITTLE? SHE SAID SOMETHING OF THE SORT TO HER UNCLE, BUT HE TURNED IT ASIDE WITH ONE OF HIS GAY REPLIES. I have nothing whatever to do with that girl and much with this one. For once in my life, I mean to have the pleasure of seeing her dressed according to my fancy, even though some girl whom I never saw goes without new shoe strings in consequence. But this thought, and many others which were new to her, lingered with Glyde after her homecoming especially did the influence of that prayer-meeting and the talk she had had with paul burwell linger they had to do with the subtle difference in her which every member of her family noticed she was alone one evening in the little room which opened from the parlour and which was dignified by the name of music-room in the parlour was ralph bramlett waiting for estelle who was to accompany him to a lecture Clyde was busy with the music, assorting, rearranging, trying to bring order out of the confusion which was always to be found about the piano after a stormy day, during which the girls amused themselves more with music than at other times. As she worked, she hummed a familiar tune that lingered pleasantly in her thoughts. It was the one which was being sung when she and her uncle entered that large, plain room, every corner of which was photographed on her memory she was not conscious that she was humming until the curtains suddenly parted and ralph appeared you are singing a favorite tune of mine he said you couldn't guess where i last heard it i know where i did said glyde and i should think i might be able to trace your association with it you have heard it often in our own church it is one of marjorie's favorites you know She uses it sometimes as a solo. I know, but I heard it last in New York, as I passed a... church, I suppose it was, though it didn't look like one. It was not being sung as a solo. A great many people were singing, I should judge. It sounded very well indeed. I was almost tempted inside to get nearer to it. Said Glide, why, that is a strange coincidence, the last time i heard it was in new york and i was inside of a large plain building which was a church or at least a hall where they hold church services and a great many people were singing what if it should have been the same evening when was it ralph we were in new york at the same time you know she proceeded to give him a careful statement as to date and surroundings then our associations with it must be the same in a way said ralph it was on that very evening and in just that locality that i halted at the door half tempted to spend what i supposed then would be the only evening i had for new york in a religious meeting in order for a nearer approach to an old tune he laughed as he spoke as though the idea must be an absurd one to glide she regarded him wistfully oh ralph i wish so much you had come in i am sure you never attended such a meeting as that was and perhaps it would have done even more for you than for she broke off abruptly not inclined to be confidential with ralph bramlett as to what the meeting had done for her after a moment she began again still with that wistful look on her face ralph do you know that i cannot help wishing very much that you were a christian she could not keep her voice from trembling as she spoke even so simple a demonstration as this was a startling departure from her habit of life it was a development from that statement which she had made to mr burwell to the effect that life would be different with her after this ralph laughed in a slightly embarrassed way this was new to him also and was almost as much of a surprise as though a kitten had suddenly appealed to him in human speech why in the world should you wish that he asked more because a reply of some sort seemed to be necessary than because he needed to have such a wish explained why shouldn't i she asked and why shouldn't you above everything else isn't it strange how we go on living just as busy as we can be day after day and year after year with the less important things the most important ones not being so much as thought of apparently it has always seemed strange to me before i was a christian at all i used to think people acted very foolishly about such matters yet after all when i became a christian myself i acted just like most others but i don't want to and i don't mean to any more i do wish very much indeed that you were a christian man i thought of you first because well i knew you better than i do most young men at that meeting to which you didn't go ralph there were ever so many young men and they all took part in the meeting spoke as witnesses for christ it did seem so grand and so reasonable too it seems to me we ought to expect young men almost more than young women because one would think they would be drawn to jesus christ in a peculiar manner and want him for their friend of course you think about such things sometimes ralph how is it that you do not choose jesus christ for your intimate friend this point-blank question coming from a child as glyde douglas had always seemed to him astonished and all but confused the young man she was looking steadily at him out of bright earnest eyes and seemed to expect a definite answer which he did not know how to make It happened that this was the first direct question of the kind which had come to him since childhood. Still, of course, there was no way but to make an evasive response. "'How do you know I ever think of such abstruse matters?' he asked, trying to speak lightly, and in the tone which he might use to a very young person. "'Because,' she said gravely, "'you have not seemed to me like an entirely frivolous person.' and i cannot think that any save the utterly thoughtless leave such questions out of their minds entirely if i am in the least acquainted with you i should think you would be the kind of man who would want jesus for a friend do you not admire his character it grows upon one so as one studies it the only character the world has ever known which did not in the least little way disappoint one i should think a young man would have oh almost a consuming ambition to grow like him that is what i want for myself to take him for my model and try every day to have something about me which will remind others of him that is a pretty strange ambition for a young girl said ralph still bent upon treating the whole matter lightly and still speaking in that half-condescending tone which some people use to those very much younger than themselves she took his words with utmost seriousness yes i know it is but not an impossible one that is what seems so very wonderful about it all it is one of the things he came especially to do for us you know that we might be conformed to his image that is the verse i have taken for my motto and daily reminder to be conformed to his image is not that an ambition worth having you have studied his character in a historical way haven't you ralph it struck the young man as a humiliating thing to have to answer this question in the negative he made his answer as careless as possible i cannot say that i ever have at least not what you would call study perhaps though of course i am more or less familiar with the story as it is set down for us as he spoke he was conscious of a feeling of relief in the thought that he need not undergo a cross-examination with regard to even this superficial knowledge still with the relief there was a sense of humiliation it was as glyde intimated somewhat surprising that a man who prided himself upon his common sense and thoughtfulness should have to confess ignorance of a character so easily studied and so universally acknowledged as this one if he could pose as an infidel or an unbeliever in the bible in any sense of the word it would perhaps be different though even then he admitted that an honest unbeliever ought to be familiar with the evidences before he rejected them but believing fully as he did in such tremendous truths as those which circled around jesus christ it was certainly humiliating to have to admit that he had lived all these years without making a careful study of them there were movements overhead which indicated that estelle might soon be with them and glyde made haste to finish what she wanted to say but ralph that doesn't seem like your usual good sense does it i wish so very much that both you and marjorie could be led to study this question with the care which its importance deserves there could be but one result for you are both so sensible and marjorie is the sweetest girl in the world there needs only one added touch to make her life perfect she would be interested in it if you were it seems perfectly natural to think of you and she studying things together won't you promise to think about it his reply was very disappointing. "'You are a good little girl,' he said graciously. "'A great deal better than most of your friends, it seems to me. I feel especially honoured in being the one you have selected to present these new ideas to. They are rather new, are they not?' "'Ah, but that isn't promising anything,' she said earnestly. "'No, I am rather afraid of promises. They mean altogether too much to me.' being a man of my word you see i have to look out for them i promise to be very glad that i have such a good little friend as you to interest yourself in me and i have no doubt we should all be improved if we thought more about such matters than we do then estelle came down and he turned back to the parlor to meet her leaving glyde with a sadly disappointed heart Ralph Bramlett would never know what force of will it had taken to overcome her usual reserve and speak to him out of her deeper feeling, and to realize that it had been for naught was bitter. However, Ralph Bramlett was not so entirely indifferent to the whole matter as he had professed. The simple yet evidently earnest words which had been spoken to him on an unusual subject lingered with him. He let Estelle chatter as they walked down the street together and went over the conversation sentence by sentence. It was a curious thing for a child to do, he told himself. Some new influence must have touched her. Perhaps she had fallen in with a different class of friends from those he had met in New York. Suppose he had gone into that prayer meeting, would he have met a different class of persons and been influenced by them? actually he speculated over the thought and was curious about it then he recalled the promise for which he had been asked and smiled indulgently over the idea of his promising that child anything yet it was certainly very pretty in her to ask it and eminently sensible she had linked his name with marjorie's as a matter of course and that had been soothing it is true he had not so much as exchanged bows with marjorie during the weeks he had now been in the employ of snyder snyder and co but he looked every day for a change in that direction each evening on reaching home he went eagerly over his mail and questioned closely with regard to any messages that might have been brought for him his belief was that if he gave marjorie time enough she would write in reply to his note Asking why he had absented himself so persistently, and reminded him once more that he had friends on Maple Avenue. Such a note as he had planned that she should write him, he had decided would be a sufficient balm to his wounded feelings to admit of his calling and talking over with her the entire matter. After that, he determined that their friendship should be reestablished upon an entirely different basis by this time marjorie would have learned that she must not undertake to control him in any way that he was master as a man should be and that her duty as a woman was to yield at all times to his superior judgment thus much mischief her last note to him had wrought it had removed from his mind any shadow of fear as to the final result of the difference between them a girl who could after his weeks of absence and silence write to him in the extremely kind way that she had must think a very great deal of him indeed quite as much as he thought of her it was only a matter of time for him to re-establish himself in the Edmonds family or rather to settle himself as an assured force there for he believed that marjorie had quite as much influence over her mother as he had over her he must simply be patient and bide his time then all would be well between them much better than it ever had been for the more he thought about it the more he was convinced that marjorie had been too willing to direct and too sure that he would follow her lead meantime while he was waiting it would do no harm to cultivate the friendship of estelle douglas she evidently enjoyed his society and it would not injure his cause with Marjorie for her to learn that he was not cut off from friendly companionship because she had chosen to break with him. You will observe that he had given up any idea that he was to blame in all this matter. On the contrary, he had begun to congratulate himself on his good judgment in not exposing a company of young people to a long ride in the night air, when it could as well be taken by daylight." in short ralph bramlett was completely reinstated in his good opinion of himself and it cannot be denied that marjorie's note had done much toward bringing him to his habitual frame of mind once more it was because he felt complacent that glyde's appeal had interested him it appealed he told himself to his common sense and while it may be a surprise to some it is nevertheless the fact that this young man prided himself upon his common sense now that he thought of it he admitted that it really was quite strange that a young man of his stamp should not have given serious attention to such subjects glyde had spoken of him as one who she thought would like to become friends with jesus christ the thought did not fill him with awe but with a sense of eminent fitness what more reasonable than to suppose that the lord jesus christ would be pleased with his acquaintance oh he did not put it quite so baldly as that but the thought analyzed suggested almost condescension upon his part he began seriously to consider whether some such step would not be the proper one to take next certainly it would sound very well indeed to have it said that ralph bramlett who was supposed by some to have taken a step downward on account of the clerkship which he had accepted had become deeply interested in religious matters had in fact taken a decided stand this would astonish and perhaps not a little discomfit some people it would serve to show that the business relations which he had formed instead of proving his ruin had led him to a serious consideration of the most important business not only a consideration but a decision. Why should he not decide at once to unite with the church? His character was undoubtedly beyond reproach. He lived as entirely a Christian life to all appearance now as did those of his acquaintance who were church members. It is true that Christian people read the Bible, he supposed, with a certain degree of regularity, and this he had not been in the habit of doing." but it was entirely proper, and he had no objections whatever to doing so. Moreover, they prayed, with more or less frequency, and that too seemed to him a most suitable thing to do. When he was a little fellow, he used to pray quite regularly. It was probably owing to his unfortunate environment that he had ever given up the habit. So far as the weekly prayer-meeting was concerned he reflected with satisfaction that he knew many eminently respectable church members who evidently did not find it consistent with their other duties to attend at least with any degree of regularity of course he could go occasionally he thought he should quite like to do so in short while estelle douglas was giving an elaborate description of a fancy dress entertainment of which she had heard and explaining volubly how they might adapt it to their needs so as to make a sum of money for benevolent or missionary purposes her companion was deliberately deciding to become forthwith interested in the subject of religion and to unite himself without much more delay with the visible church this plan besides appealing to his common sense seemed to him a delicious piece of diplomacy to show mrs edmonds and her set how utterly they were mistaken in him was ralph bramlett then a hypocrite not in the slightest degree he was simply a self-deceived young man who knew no more about the real claims of jesus christ or of his power over the heart and conscience than did the veriest child he honestly believed that for a moral upright young man like himself the one step needed in order for him to identify himself fully with all the religious movements of the day was to unite with the church and adopt the forms of service which church people used it seemed to him as glyde had said a surprising thing that he had not taken this step before he told himself that if he had thought about it seriously he undoubtedly would have done so and that he had not thought about it was owing to the fact that he was surrounded by a class of people, who gave little heed to such things, and had made no attempt to press their claims upon him. So, after all, the delay was their fault, not his. End of chapter 15